And go to the Gospel of Luke, please. I'm going to have you go to two places in the Scripture this morning. The Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 13 and verse 6. And then we're going to go to the book of Habakkuk, chapter 3 and verse 17. Now, Habakkuk is going to be harder to find than Luke. So I'm going to give you a moment to find that. If you don't have a Bible, we'll have it for you here on the screen in just a moment. But I encourage you to grab a Bible when you have a chance. Most important book you'll ever read. Say amen, somebody. Luke chapter 13 and verse 6. And then we're going to go to Habakkuk. And Habakkuk is in your Old Testament. It is near the end of the Old Testament. Tiny little book hides in there among all of the minor prophets. Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse 17. But let's begin with St. Luke chapter 13, verse 6. Behold, uh, pardon, and he began telling his parable, and he said, A man had a fig tree which had been planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit of, of it and did not find any. And he said to the vineyard keeper, Behold, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree without finding any. Cut it down. Why does it even use up the ground? And he answered and said to him, Let it alone, sir, for this year also, until I dig around it and put in fertilizer. And if it bears fruit next year, fine. But if not, cut it down. And then Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse 17 it reads, though the fig tree should not blossom, and there be no fruit on the vines, and though the yield of the olives should fail, and the fields produce no food, though the flocks should be cut off from the fold, and there be no cattle in the stalls, yet I will exalt in the Lord, and I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. And he has made my feet like hind's feet, and he makes me walk on high places. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you today for the presence of the Holy Spirit, which is so evident among us. I thank you also for these who have come forward to be baptized, the sign of life in this congregation. I pray that many more would come in this new year. And that they would come by the dozens and by the hundreds to, the know, to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. I ask you now to anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of the living God. And I ask that you would anoint the hearing of this congregation. That they might hear the word of God and receive it with gladness. We ask that in Jesus' name. And the church said amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I want to speak this morning about the message of the fig tree. Uh, but before I do that, I want to, I need to do something here real quick. So I want to ask, is there anybody here that has a, a hundred dollar bill? Anybody have a hundred dollar bill? I'm not taking an offering, all right? I'm just, I'm going to illustrate something. You have a hundred dollar bill? Okay, can I borrow it? Or do you have one, Michelle? L let's go with Michelle because she got up first. Uh, if you would, uh, no, I need you to bring it, please. Yeah, this is a, uh, See, what I, what I need to do is I needed to get, I have a 20, 
I have five $20 bills, but I wanted to change it into $100 bills. So can you do that with me? All right. Okay, thank you. All right, you see how she put her hand out like that? Okay, that's 20. You work at a bank, right? That's 40. That's 60. Thank you. Do you trust me? You, you trust me, don't you? I thought you did because he walked away. Now, I gave her 60 back, but I, she gave me 100, so how much do I owe her? 40. All right. Now, I hope she trusts me because she got to sit there a little while. All right. I want to talk about the message of the fig tree. Jesus said a man planted a fig tree. Now, we don't have many fig trees here in Texas, but... It's a very common fruit tree in Israel. In fact, it's one of eight fruits that uh, are native to the land of Israel is the fig tree. But they grow wild. They grow uncultivated. And what we see here is a man plants a fig tree. And he, uh, he goes looking for the tree to bear some fruit. Now, he does what... Uh, Sister Michelle just did here. Uh, she, uh, we made an arrangement. I was going to give her five uh, $20 bills, and she was going to give me a $100 bill. That was the arrangement. And that's normally the arrangement you make when you plant a tree that you want to get some fruit from. You expect to get back what you put in. How many of you expect that? Now, you guys have been quiet this morning, but I know that none of you are going to go to work on Tuesday morning just because. All of you are going to go to work because you expect to get something in return. Is that true or not? Now, that's just life, and it's, it's not natural, it's logical, that if you, ex if you go to work, you expect to get something in return. If you plant a fig tree, you expect to get some figs. If you uh, sow a seed, you expect to receive a harvest. That is the natural part of life. We rarely do things just to do them. Uh, even the, the gifts you gave at Christmas, you might say, well, no, I just gave them out of the goodness of my heart. But really what you wanted to do, you wanted to give, you wanted to see someone smile. You wanted to get that expression, that gratitude. You wanted to get that, that um, appreciation because that is the natural part of life. And it is what motivates us. It's what keeps us going is the, the fact that we can expect a return. Now, this is no less true for God. In fact, the Bible uh, tells us that God expects fruit from our lives. And that was quiet tonight, today. Uh, can I ask you, can God expect fruit from your life? If God has put something into you, can he expect to get a return? You see, God not only expects, but he has the right to expect to receive something out of our life. And this, this sower, he went and he planted a fig tree, and he expects to receive something back from that fig tree. He expects that he's going to get a return on his investment. And I want you to notice that this fig tree was in a favorable 
position. Notice this, friends, that the fig tree was sown or planted in a vineyard. Now, a vineyard is a highly cultivated environment. If you've ever been in a vineyard, you know that there are straight roads and there are long furrows and the, the soil is carefully cultivated. The, the ingredients put into the soil to fertilize it are very carefully selected because the grapes that are going to be produced need to be the best quality. And so a vineyard is a very different place from a place that a fig tree would normally be. It is a, a place that is highly cultivated, a place that is very special, very unique. And yet in the middle of this vineyard, we find a fig tree. What does this tell us this morning? It tells us that really we are that fig tree. We are that wild thing that has been planted in a favorable environment. Somebody say amen. If you look at your life for just a moment, you're going to realize that where God has placed you is really not where you deserved to be. It's really not the, that God has given you anything that you and I merited because the fact is that our sin had separated us from God. But today you're planted in a vineyard. Today you're planted in the family of God and that is a favorable environment. Say amen somebody. You see, you and I have to look around sometimes and say, you know what? I really don't belong here, but God put me here. I really don't deserve this, but God has given it to me. Come on, somebody. God has blessed me better than I deserve. Now, here's the thing. If you can bear fruit in the wild, if you can bear fruit when there's no fertilizer, no one to cultivate, to prune, then you ought to be able to bear fruit in the favorable environment of a vineyard. Say amen, somebody. You see, you and I have been given a favorable environment. There's better soil. The place where God has planted you is better soil than the place where he found you. Thank God that he still transplants trees. He moves a tree out of the soil of shame and addiction and poverty and brokenness and religion and he brings it into the soil of life and hope and joy and peace and satisfaction. Come on somebody. He has put you into better soil and he has cared for you. A carefully tended to vineyard has been cared for. It's been cultivated selectly. It has been given high degrees of attention. I don't know if, if those of you who are green thumbs do this but my mother, when she um, was gardening and she had plants around the house, she would talk to the plants. And I don't know, I don't know how this works. It's, it's just a thing. But they say that if you talk to plants, that they, that they respond better. They grow a little better. And so my mom was that kind of gardener. She would talk to her plants, and her plants were always very prosperous. They're always very green. And, and that just tells me something about the man or the, or the person who has planted you into the vineyard that he talks to you, doesn't he? He encourages you, doesn't he? He says, you can make it. You can do this. There is nothing too difficult for you. I am on your side. Come on, somebody. Has anybody ever heard the voice of God that encourages your heart? The vineyard is a place of great attention. And this fig tree is in the middle of that place, that environment 
of great attention. Now here's what the scripture tells us. The scripture tells us this. Know well the condition of your flock and pay attention to your herd. That's Proverbs 27, 23. And so I just want you to notice for a moment that there is an instruction here for all of our lives and an instruction for this coming year. And God says this. I have put some things in your life some gifts, some talents, some callings, some ability, some finances, some provisions, some people, some relationships. I have put some things into your life. I need you to cultivate them. I want you to pay careful attention. Look at the instruction. Know well the condition of your flock and pay attention to your herd. Now say this with me. Know it well. Tell your, tell your neighbor, know it well. You know that you have to know well the things that God has put into your life. If God has given you a husband, you need to know him well. I thought the men were going to say amen. If God has given you a wife, you have to know her well. If he's given you children, you have to know them well. You can't just give them a digital device and say, here, raise yourself. You have to know them well. You got to ask questions, don't you? If you have kids, especially the kind that know how to get around the internet and their phones, you got to say, who is that? And what is their name? And who, who's their mom? And who's their dad? And what kind of church do they attend? And who, do they believe in God? And all those little questions you got to ask because you got to know them well. Come on, somebody. You, you got to know what's in your life. Why? Because if you want it to produce fruit, it demands that you know it. And then he says, pay attention. Tell your neighbor, pay attention. You see, in order for the things God has put in your life to flourish and to, to prosper, they're going to need your attention. Listen, if you give your attention to TV, TV can't bear any fruit in your life. If you give your attention to things that are fruitless, you cannot receive any fruit from them. So God says, know well the condition of your flock and pay attention to your herd. It's not enough for a man to just provide financially for his family, is it? He has to give them attention. A father has to give his children attention. A mother has to give her children attention. A husband has to give his wife attention. Say amen, ladies. A wife has to give her husband attention. Come on, somebody. Everything that God has put in your life can flourish, but you're going to have to give it attention. You're going to have to give it time. You're going to have to give it some nurture. You're going to have to speak the right words into that, into that thing, into that life. And I want to just warn you that there might be some things in your life that are starving for your attention. There might be some people in your life that are starving for your attention. And God says, look, listen, I want 2018 to be a year in which you flourish, but you're going to have to pay attention to these things in your life. 
Now you're going to have to pay attention to this man that I put beside you, to this woman. I put beside you, to this job, this business that I've given you. You're going to have to cultivate it and give it the attention that it deserves. Listen, friends, we cannot give more attention to things outside of our home than we give to things in our home. Say amen, somebody. You cannot say, yes, sir, and yes, ma'am, and how can I help you to everybody else on the street and on the job, and then you get home and you slam in the closet door and you're saying, where are my keys? And you're, you're talking to people like you don't know them. Come on, somebody. You got to give attention. Come on. You got to give attention to the place where you're producing fruit. You wonder why you receive the words you receive? Because they're the words you plant. So you got to invest words, the right words. It's quiet in here. It's kind of getting warm, right? Pastor Isaac needs to change the subject over here. You got to turn you got to turn your words into seeds. You got to turn your your life into a careful and evaluated vineyard where you are cultivating the things that God has put into your life. And if there's things you don't want in your life, don't give them any attention and they will leave your life. Come on, if you stop if you stop calling the bad influences in your life, they will leave your life sooner or later. Come on, somebody. You got to cut off the things you don't need and pay attention to the things that are producing something in your life. And this is what the word says. If you're careful about the flock, if you tend to your herd, then you will have milk and you will have, you will have wool for clothing. What is God saying? He's saying if you pay attention to the right people in your life and you give attention to your home and to your family, then I'm going to bring the warmth of that home into your life and you're not going to be starving for those things that God has provided. So listen to what the word of God says. It says, if anyone does not provide for his own and especially for those of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Just, let's just chew on that for a moment. God says, if you don't take care of the people that I gave you, you're worse than an unbeliever. It's like you have denied the faith. I can't think of anything worse than denying the faith. But God says, look, a man and a woman or a children who do not pay attention to the people, the family that I have put into their life are doing worse than someone who has denied the faith. Listen, friend, you can't honor your boss and your, and your professor and your pastor and then go home and dishonor your husband and dishonor your wife and dishonor your children and expect to receive fruit from them. Is this helping somebody? So this, this fig tree has to be cultivated. God says, I have planted this fig tree in a vineyard, and I have given it my attention. I have given it my words. I have given it my time. I have given it my uh, my resources. I have put all of these things into it, uh, and this this tree has been planted into a favorable environment. But no, notice that it's not just a favorable environment; it's also a favorable time. It is a favorable season. 
I don't know if you realize this or not, but every day you draw breath is a favorable season. Come on, somebody. I said it's a favorable season. You and I, as children of God, are living in a favorable season. Jesus said he came to proclaim the year of God's favor. He came to proclaim a season of God's favor. There are some good years, but then there are years that are better than others. They are the year of God's favor. I believe, I declare, 2018 will be a year of divine favor. A year when God will do extraordinary things. Come on, somebody, you got to receive that into your heart and say, this is my year. This is going to be my year of God's favor. This tree... Is in a favorable environment and it's at a favorable time. Now, most fig trees bear fruit in a year. If you, if you have a young fig tree, it normally will bear fruit within a year, and fig trees bear fruit twice a year. So, twice a year, at least after one year. But this tree has been there three years. No fruit. The master comes and he, he looks at the tree. Looks in all the leaves and he's in all the branches and he says to his vine keeper, he says, I have waited on this tree to bear fruit for three years. Now what we learn is this, that most trees bear fruit in a year, most fig trees, but sometimes it can take up to four years for a fig tree to mature. And that then becomes the crux, that becomes the great issue, the great question is the question of maturity, and the, the question is, have you grown up? Have you matured? Have you come to the fullness of the stature of God in Christ? Have you come to be a man? You see, there are still in church some babies with mustaches. They have milk on their mustache. They're still sipping the, the simple, basic, elementary things of the word of God. And, and they have stopped growing you see but we have a nursery for the babies that's why all people in here this morning are the adults I'm prophesying right now I say you guys are the adults the mature believers the ones who can come in and say God tell me what you got to tell me even if it hurts I want to grow I want to go up I want to become more than I am is there anybody in here that wants to grow you see, maturity is what produces fruit. Maturity is what produces a life that yields fruitfulness for God. It is maturity that can hear bad news and still say, praise the Lord. It is maturity that can lose in one place and say God will provide from another. It is maturity that says you might have offended me but I'm going to forgive you because I got to move on. I can't live my life worrying about what he said and she said and they said I don't have time for gossip. I don't have time for complaining. I don't have time for your story. I've got to grow up. I've got to move on. God has more for me Come on, somebody. God has more for me than this. 
This tree has not grown up. It has not matured. And what I want to warn you about here is that you should not waste the time of God's favor. Don't waste the favor of God. You see, if, if I preach every Sunday, you are blessed and highly favored and greatly loved, you say, amen, pastor, but then you don't go and live and enjoy and bear fruit from that favor, you're wasting time. And the fact is, friend, you're living, I'm living on borrowed time. All of us are living on borrowed time. We are breathing borrowed air. So while you can live, bear fruit, grow, produce, make something of your life, make your life count for the glory of God. So don't waste the year of God's favor. Listen, tomorrow morning we're going to wake up in a new year. You need to wake up running. You need to wake up doing the thing that God has called you to do. If he's called you to preach, preach. If he's called you to serve, serve. If he calls you to sing, sing. Do it now. This is the year of divine favor. This is the year that God has given you the opportunity. So the the, the, the master comes into the field and he says, this tree hasn't borne any fruit. Cut it down. Say, cut it down. This is kind of scary, isn't it? If it's true that plants can hear you, I wonder what this fig tree was thinking. He said, cut it down. It's like when you're, when you're little and you're in the house and dad walks in and says, why didn't they take the trash out yet? Oh boy, he's talking about me. I'm going to go hide somewhere, find something productive to do. Why? Because this tree has heard that the clock has stopped ticking on its time. Cut it down, it's just taking up space. It's not doing anything. It's not producing any fruit. It's not growing. And, and rather than just have it here, taking up the nutrients out of the soil, I'm going to have it cut down. But I want to just, just pause for a moment to thank God that there's another voice in the story. You see, there was the voice that said, let's cut it down. But there was the other voice that said, no, sir, let's wait another year. Is there anybody in here that knows that one day you could have been cut down, but God said, no, we're going to wait another season. We're going to give this another chance. Come on, somebody. I know some of your stories. I have heard some of your stories, and I know there was a day when you could have been cut down. We might have been doing your funeral, but God stepped in and said, no, we're going to give this some more time. I'm going to bear fruit in this life. Come on, somebody. Give God praise for the intercessor. Give God praise. I thank God that Jesus stepped in right on time, and he saved you, and he re re delivered you, and he brought you into himself. Wait a minute. He said, let's give him another year. Now this tree is really living on borrowed time. He's being given an opportunity to grow. 
He's been given an opportunity to become what he was designed by God to become. Listen, every time you get a new day or a new year, it is an opportunity. God is saying to you today, I am giving you another year. I'm giving you another stretch. Now, the word here is the word year, but really in the Greek it doesn't imply a 365-day year. It implies a season, a, a time, an indefinite time in which God is saying, I'm going to give you another season to produce the thing that I have designed for you to produce, to do the thing that I have called you to do. And this, this is an opportunity that must not be wasted. It's an opportunity that must not be lost. You and I have to have a decision in our heart today that says, I am going to take advantage of the time I've been given. I'm going to take advantage of the opportunity that I have been uh, given by God. I can't just go through next year wondering, well, I wonder what this year is going to bring. I've got to come into next year knowing that there is a purpose on my life. That there is a call on my life. That there is a message in my life. And that I have to do what God has called me to do. Is anybody listening in the house of God this morning? Otherwise, at the end of 2018, you're going to be sitting there thinking, I wonder what would have happened if I had tried. I wonder what would have happened if I had taken that step. I wonder what would have happened if I had taken that risk. I wonder what would have happened if I had believed God. I don't want you thinking like that. I want you at the end of next year to be sitting there thinking, look what the Lord has done. Look what God brought into my life. Look what God created. Come on, somebody. He did it in my life because I trusted him. I believed him. I waited on him. Now, let me turn this a moment and just talk to those of you from a different perspective who have planted a fig tree. You say, Pastor, I have done what this man did. I have planted some things in my life. I have done some things. I've made some investments in some people. I have made some investments in in my family. I have made some investments in my money. I have, I have done a lot of things. I have planted a lot of things, but I haven't seen the fruit. You see, I haven't, I haven't borne the fruit that, that I believe is part of my, uh, my life. And like Sister Michelle, you're sitting over there thinking, I gave him $100. He gave me back 60 Come on, Lord. Where's the difference? You're thinking, Lord, I've been tithing, I've been giving, I've been praying, I've been fasting, I've been, I've been doing all of those things. But I feel like I gave you more than you've given back. I feel like I harvested less than I planted. And while you may feel that and while you may think that, I just want you to know that God never stays with anything. I want you to say this with me. It's a confession, but you need to believe it. You need to say, God never keeps anything. Do you believe that? 
I know that because the Bible says that you will reap what you sow. It says if you sow scarcely, you will reap scarcely. But if you sow generously, you will reap generously. The Bible says, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you will find, knock, and the door will be open unto you. So I can say with certainty, God never keeps anything. So while you're sitting there wondering, okay, what do I do because I have a fig tree that's not bearing fruit in my life. I have invested. I have, a, I have an investment in this marriage. I have an investment in this family. I have an investment in these children. I have an investment in this company. But I'm not seeing the return on my investment. Can I just remind you what the prophet Habakkuk said? He said, although the fig tree should not blossom and the and the vine not bear its fruit. And if the olive should fail. And the fields yield no harvest. If my flocks should be cut off. And there should be no herd in the stall. Yet. Somebody say yet. Yet. I will rejoice in the Lord. Listen. He said Yet. I will rejoice in the Lord. What does that mean? Even if I don't see my fig tree blossoming the year I thought I would see it, I am going to praise God anyway. I am going to trust God anyway. I am going to stand on God anyway. Why? Why? Listen to what the prophet says. He says, because the Lord is my strength. And he will make my feet like the feet of a deer. And he will make me walk on high places. Can I give you the Isaac translation of that? He says, I'm going to praise God anyway because God is good for it. Tell your neighbor, God is good for it. You think you lent God some money? Let me tell you, God is good for it. You think you put some seed in the ground? Let me tell you, God is good for it. God doesn't keep anybody, uh, anything. He's, he's good for it. Tell him, God is good for it. Now, Sister Michelle, you trust in me, right? All right, I want you to come up here. Because I want you to know God is good for it. The part you thought he kept. The part you thought he didn't give you. He's good for it. He's going to bring into your life the thing that he's promised. Because God is not a man that he should lie. Not a son of man that he should change his mind. You didn't hear me. I said God is not a man that he should lie. He's not a man that he should lie. He doesn't lie. He doesn't make up stories. God is good for it. Tell your neighbor again, God is good for it. Now that's 80. You didn't know what you did with the other. Okay. That's 80 and that's 100. Thank you. Sister Michelle. Sister Michelle. God is good for it. All right. And God says, here's the other. You, have it, you get to have it all. Because I'm going to give you double for your trouble. Did you hear that? God says, I will give you double for your trouble. Come on. God doesn't keep anything. Come on, somebody stand on your feet and celebrate the fact that God will not keep anything. God has got it. God is good for it. He will give you double 
for your trouble. Come on, somebody, worship God in his house. Though the fig tree should not blossom, though the stalls be empty, though there be no herd in the corral, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to wait on God because God knows what he's going to do for me. God knows what he's going to do in my life. Give it another year. Give it another year. Watch God work. Do you trust him? Do you trust him? Just tell him, Lord, I know you're good for it. I'm going to worship you in the in-between. I'm going to worship you while I wait. I'm going to worship you while I trust. Come on, let's fill this altar this morning. Let's just fill this altar with our faith and our confidence in God.